Blog Talk Radio. It's time for In the Zone with T-Pain, where we look at everything the real way. Real talk, real problems, real solutions. And now, here's your host, T-Pain. What's up, Nola, Georgia? Welcome to The Zone. And we have a special guest, Mr. Rashad Edwards, live in the studio all the way from the ATL. And it's not every day that we get a chance to have good guests and good speakers come on to the show. What's up, Doc? What's going on? Not a whole lot, not a whole lot. Now, last week's show, we talked about saving the nation. Yes, we did. And in that, we spoke of what does it mean to save the nation? How do we go about saving the nation from a spiritual perspective? And how do we maintain them mentally once we draw them in? Yeah. Now, Mr. Edwards has a book, and the book talks about commitment, where he gives goals to how you commit to the process of doing different things. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Doc, did you even read the book? I, I briefed the book. I briefed it. I, I skimmed it. I saw some What does various... skim mean? This is not milk. <laughs> No, skim. You know how you skim and you I go through. I heard it's like skim, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And this book is it's The Secret Commitment. And I really, now I read the book. I enjoyed the book. And uh, and he's going to, Mr. Edwards is going to tell us how, you know, people can go about purchasing the book. But it's pretty much like a devotional. Yeah, it would work. Right, and you can read through and and find different things. I like to say, like, auto-suggestions, thoughts that you can ponder on later. Yes. So, Mr. Edwards. Yes. How are you? I am outstanding, and um, thank you for having me on your show. No, thank you for being on the show. And for those of you who are listening, this show is pre-recorded. So if you get a chance to uh, listen to it again on the website, you can. And uh, for all in Miller, Georgia, listen, we can have great speakers like this young man on our show. And, mm-hmm. and again, he is published. He's a published author. And he goes around and he speaks to young youth groups and talks to young men about the secret to commitment. And not just young men, but, you know, uh, women, too. Is that not right, Mr. Edwards? Yes, ma'am. That, that's right. I speak to um, all audiences. But particularly, I do like working with the youth. Because I've I've done quite a bit of work with the youth, so young boys and young girls alike. Yes. Okay. Now um, let's just dive on into the topic. Okay. One of the things, um, and I know you saw it. I'm talking about community reach, and we did talk about last uh, Saturday saving the nation mm-hmm. from the concept that every male child is a nation within himself. Because from the man, the family tree comes about. Is that not right? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, and and uh, there's there's a lot to be said about, you know, saving the nation and, um, you know, how, how we deal with that. But I'll kind of follow your lead on that and then I'll kind of because I've I've got some things in particular that I'd like to say about that. Okay. Well, you know what? 
I like to hear it before we even <laughs> get into because see, you know, the follow up to this and, and the reason we're we're spending a whole lot of time this month on um, talking about um the male. Our focus is the young African American male, that that seed. Because it is said and it is written that African American males are have become an endangered species. And mm. there are statistics to that and we talked about that on on last Saturday's show and how the African American seed at inception is at risk of never even coming through the gateway of life. That in and of itself is a big thing. But now, you give me a little bit before we get into the show, because this is a big topic, about your your perspective on saving the nation. Okay. Um, I I would like to say that, you know, for starters, that yes, there are a lot of challenges facing the African-American male. And one of the reasons why I think my book does a great deal in addressing a lot of that it comes from an experience I had. Uh, was it last? It may have been the year before because I I coach um, AAU basketball. And mm-hmm. in, in one of my coaching sessions, you know, I asked a couple of the young guys, I said, well, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to go? What do you want to be? And, you know, to give you some idea of about, I think I had about four or five different squads together at that time. And let's say of about 20, 30 young boys, you know, four or five of them looked at me blank as if they had never even thought of the idea and couldn't say anything to me. And so when you talk about saving the nation, you know, look at it like this. Mm-hmm. The, the the mental component is kind of like the, the, the first part that begins to culminate in the womb of the mother. Because... Now science is saying that before you're born, before you know you're you're a complete physical being, the 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 sounds and the vibrations of the universe are going on in the womb of that that mother, and mm-hmm. so these vibrations are locked into your mental database way before you even come out of the womb. So you're getting pre-programmed with data and information before you even have all of your fingers and toes, before your brain is completely formed, you're getting programmed. And so this mental component is a big part of how you save this nation because when you look at our young boys, you can tell that for, you know, quite a few of them, you know, they don't have a whole lot of of substance, substantive thoughts or productive things going on in their minds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most of them think from one second to the next. And so that whole, you know, what do you want to do with yourself? When I work with the boys, you know, I'm always probing them and asking them questions that make them look within and think and dig because this is, you know, this is something that's not happening for a lot of them at home or even in school or, you know, wherever they may be. These things aren't happening, and so we have to gauge them and get them to think 
think from a different place, think in ways that they've never thought before, mm-hmm. and to think more productively. You know, now, I like what you said, and, and you pointed out that a lot of these thoughts that young males have, and a lot of it is the vibration from mm-hmm. what is already happening. So, in essence, it comes back to the mom and her thought process and her rhythm. So, if her rhythm is off, <laughs> it's going to throw off the rhythm of the unborn baby. It's going to throw off the rhythm of a seed. Well, yeah. I mean, because the the mother is the first teacher. And, you know, from the womb of our women is, a, you know, is the womb of the nation. So, yes, that... Very we, we can't dis, you know, disconnect with that idea. Right. You know, recently we did a study and we was talking about uh, it takes a village to raise uh, a, a child or whatever the case may be. And with the vibrations and with all of that being in mind, the village actually starts in um, in, inception of the child. So would you say that uh, it's good to be in an environment of people who are going to already support you, support that child, and that's going to speak life into you as well as to that child? Oh, undoubtedly, yes. That That is a... A best case scenario to be in <laughs> in a great environment. That's a best case scenario, and yes, it's very beneficial for any child to be in a supportive, a nurturing, and a, uh, a nourishing environment. Unfortunately, for a lot of our youth, and and I'm not saying all, but for a considerable amount of our youth, they don't have those types of, or they're not in those types of environments. They lose some things along the way. And so, you know, like in my book, I kind of address the things to help, you know, help kind of steer them back on course. Young men have had the pressure of having to be responsible all the time. And now me, being being a woman, with none of you can relate, (laughs) okay, there have been times as a single parent, well, I didn't want to be responsible all the time, which is one of the reasons I, I didn't have a problem saying I do. You know, <laughs> now, what do you say, okay, what do you say to uh, those young men? Because, I, I mean, I, list, I read the book, and in, in reading the book, there was part of me that understood where you were coming from, but this is you saying this as a man. Right. As, yeah, break that down just a little bit for me, for those who haven't read the book. Well, that was, you know, that's part of my personal testimony, is I went through some things. This, you know, and and this book is not just like a a scholarly type of, you know, I went and read some things and, hey, I've, you know, I got the answer. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is a culmination of things that I've read and learned but even more so things that I've applied to help me come out of some dark situations that I experienced years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I experienced, you know, at the beginning of my marriage, you know, I was I was one of those people who I think a, a, a good portion of my life 
I'd, I'd experienced a lot of good fortune. Mm-hmm. And I think I hit a patch where I probably came into the most difficult period I'd ever been through, being a young father, a young husband, and being in the workforce and having certain challenges that I had never faced before. It 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 was it was almost overwhelming, and so that whole responsibility thing it was a lot, and you know in essence we we went through financial straits and you know our backs were against the wall and you know as they say bad finances you know kill the majority of marriages that don't last mm-hmm. and so we were we were staring that gun right down the barrel and you know I had to do a lot of praying um my father and mother were were very instrumental in encouraging me because you know, I had kind of lost my way, and, and that the weight of the responsibility of having a family and, you know, having to make decisions that affect other people, you know, not where you can't just be selfish and do what you want to do. Right. You have to continue other to people. make the responsible decision and, and, you know, do things so that you're making sure that you care for your family. It was one of those things that I had to go through, and I can definitely say, and my father, he he told me several occasions, he said, listen, you'll see that this too shall pass, mm-hmm. and in my young life, you know, that was, I had never been through anything like that. I was almost at less than zero, you know, I, I was a person who, I had, I had some, you know, I, I guess the world gave me a sense of, of some some stature. I had done some things, and mm-hmm. now I was being knocked all the way down to nothing. But it was something that I had to go through, and now this is part of of my story. I, you know, I went all the way down to nothing, lost almost everything I had. You know, and with a new family at that, but I didn't leave, and you know, I. I honored my responsibilities. I took care of business. I picked myself up, stopped feeling sorry for myself, and I took care of business. What I like about what you said, and and you said that, you know, being an example and having to be an example, the pressure that came Mm -hmm. with it. And so you ran, like a lot of men do. It's not that... You know, they don't love their, their families or they don't love their wives. And, and, and for some who may have had families outside of wedlock, it's not that they don't even love the young lady. It's just the pressure. But I, I like that you, you know, you put it down in, in simple text and, and you said, I ran so much. Yeah. And some men who are the head of the household, they get married and now all of a sudden, you got wives, you got kids, and, and you're looking at the, the checkbook saying, okay, we got yeah. a lot of pressure. A whole lot. And and when I say I ran, I didn't leave my family, but mm-hmm. I was absent of mine. Oh. You know, I was distant. You know, which I, I, is, I, I, you I, know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I ran, and that's something I had to come to get. Right, 
And that's that's a horrible place to be in. But, you know, these we experience these things, you know, for different seasons. And, you know, you will meet most successful people and they'll tell you if you ever get a chance to speak with them that they've all been through something. You right, know, right. They, they all have a story. And that's kind of one of the things that when you're going through your storm, no matter how much people tell you that, it, it really doesn't resonate with you. Because mm-hmm. you're in that moment and you're going through it. And it feels like the pressure and the weight of the world is going to crush you and you need to do something. But, you know, it, it, you know these things aren't permanent. See, I like what you're saying because we talked about that last last Saturday. And I had a youth pastor on um, last Saturday, uh, and his name is uh, um, Jonathan Lauder. And we were talking about being sober-minded from a biblical perspective where it talked to uh, about the young men, uh, the older men talking to the young men about being sober-minded, which means being in control of your thought processes. And I like how you put it, uh, you were you were present, but you wasn't necessarily accounted for. You you were there, but you were, you were absent in mind. I like that. Because, you know, a lot of people are present but not accounted for. And I like to call it intoxicated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, just yeah. a little intoxicated. So now, how do we get to the commitment stage? How, how do we how do we actually arrive? Because a, a lot of what you found yourself doing was waking up. Because I, I, I read when you said you had an epiphany. And... And that epiphany was like you just woke up one day and something just happened. It's like you woke up out of this 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 drunken slumber that you were in and you stopped feeling sorry for yourself and you stopped blaming others and you stopped feeling resentment for your condition, which I love what you're saying. And only you could put it so eloquently because being an uh, African-American man, and with young black men that may be listening to the show, how do you find your, your way to commit? Because this book that you got is definitely about commitment and transformation. Yes. Actually, commitment is really the first ingredient you have to have to meet with goal achievement and transformation. And I can, let's see, I'll explain it like this. Okay. I'm a person who, I'm <laughs> I'm a psych major, right? I have a degree in psychology. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I saw your site and I saw all the minds out there. So, I, you know, I like <laughs> studying and learning stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've got like, I've got a few um, what you might call non-traditional certifications um in, in different things. Uh kinda like what what Tony Robbins does. Mm-hmm. In fact, Tony Robbins does NLP and I, I'm I'm certified, I'm a master NLP tech um technician. Uh, excuse me, practitioner. Mm-hmm. But on my journey, right? Mm-hmm. I've been jumping into this thought concept that thought concept, trying this, searching for that, 
And it's like you can go from this program to that program to the next program, and you won't notice that you've done that until years have passed. And so the reason I call um, commitment the first ingredient is because what I ended up finding out was that it wasn't the programs that weren't working. It was me having never committed to them. I probably could have been in one of a number of programs had I committed to them and seen them all the way through. I probably would have gotten the results that I should have gotten, but because I learned something, play with it, jump ship, and go to the next thing, I've never committed to the process. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that 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 portion of the book is about commitment, and that's like the first chapter where I talk about you know before you even get started, if you don't commit, it doesn't it really doesn't matter what program you're in if you don't commit to it. The program is not going to work. Mm-hmm. So my book can give you all of the, you know, the how-tos and the detailed steps. But if you never commit to it, if you never decide, this is what I want to do. I want to make a change. I want my life to go in a certain direction. If you never make that decision, it's not going to happen for you. So commitment is the absolute first ingredient. So let me ask you this question, Mr. Edwards. At what age would you say uh, commitment begins to build up in your male? I noticed in your book you were talking about how uh, your grandparents would tell you um, do good with your talents and your gifts and your ties. You know, tithing is a form of commitment as well. Mm-hmm. So at what age for a young male would you say that we need to start working on commitment? Um, I would say as 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 early as you're able to get them into certain programs. And, you know, commitment conceptually can be a big challenge. You know, it, it, it can be, you know, just the word commitment may sound big, but if you – you if you know if you cloak it in a program or some type of you know thing that you're doing for instance for boys and sports yeah mm-hmm. consistently coming to practice is a commitment yeah. yeah you know and and that's a big thing for boys so mm-hmm. you know they're 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 going through commitment at different levels and so the earlier you get them into that, the better. For instance, my son is in high school, and he, he played football last year. Mm-hmm. Now, he decided that he didn't want to play football anymore, and he was just going to do basketball. But he made this decision. <laughs> well, what happened was he made this decision in the middle of the football season. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we <laughs> we gave it to him straight. You have to honor your commitments. Mm-hmm. So when you got on this team, you're going to see it through this season. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there's no quitting midstream. You have to honor your commitment. You know, because once you begin to honor your commitments, 
you teach yourself that you're an honorable person and right. you can commit to things without them tearing you down, without fear overcoming you. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a good quality to start early. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be spoken that you're learning commitment per se. You can cloak it in programs and concepts and point it out after the completion of different things that, hey, you were a committed individual to this team or to this program, to this project, Mm -hmm. and help them to understand that, no, you don't have commitment problems. You can commit. You have committed. So what could we do as uh, the village and as the church after the commitment, after we're working on it, to really help them to understand, not position, not positioning it in a way of we're trying to teach you how to commit, but how would we format it? How would we get that out to them? Well, you could structure it um, in in a program or a project whereby, say, you you break it into modules or you know break it up over a time period. And as they, you know, complete a particular milestone or a particular module, you give them some type of incentive or reward. And so the longer they stay in these programs, the more rewards and incentives they get. And, you know, by keeping them in these programs, they're learning commitment. You know, they're, they're learning to, st- you know, to be steady, to be honorable, to, you know, to be dependable. And to commit to things, mm-hmm. and so that that transfers over, you know. That make sure that they understand that, you know, especially as a young young black male, you know, your word is your bond, mm-hmm. and so yes. you must commit to honoring your word at all times. Mm-hmm. So honor your commitments. This is what I taught my son. You know, you have to be an honorable man. You must honor your commitments. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, what I like. I think is um, somewhat key in the whole commitment process is understanding purpose. Hmm. Because that's what you said in your book. You said that you sought out your purpose and an answer was returned. Well, purpose was very big for me. Um, it to you know to the point that when I when I finally connected with what I felt was my purpose, it it allowed me to kind of breathe a sigh of relief because for a long time I was just kind of floundering. Mm -hmm. Like I was doing things, you know, I I had some accomplishments, if you will, but, you know, relative to what? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I was doing things and getting things done, but relative to what? And so when... You know, I, when I went through my dark period and, you know, I kind of cried out, you know, as 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 the the book says, you know, asking you shall receive, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I asked. I, 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 I went hard at it, too. I was I was hurting. And, you know, through my prayers and lamentations and all of that, just one day the answer just popped out to me in about three or four different places. Um and I, I won't really, that's kind of real personal, and I, I you know, no, I won't no, get into that. No, no, I read the book, and anybody who's listening, you said, my soul just opened up. 
Yeah. And I felt the spirit of God moving within me. <laughs> I thought that was so powerful. I almost burnt myself drinking my coffee reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that that was that was you know, that was the experience. It it, it was just like you know, that answer that, that I received the answer that I was looking for and you know, and, and you're right, purpose is very important. And it is like the domino effect because once you connect with your purpose, mm-hmm. it supersedes your ego and all of the things that you've attached to yourself and who you think you are. And better than that, it also transcends your challenges. When you're connected with a purpose, you can go through some things and and know that because, hey, I may be going through this, but I know that I have a purpose much bigger than my problems, my challenges, and all of these, you know, roadblocks that are ahead of me. And mm-hmm. so it gives you that strength, that courage, that that energy to press on. It 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 almost gives you a sense of, I won't say a sense of security, but it 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 gives you. A better standing in actuality, we're way greater than that. You know, we're actually spiritual beings. And the spirit, you know, connected with the heart and the mind is is actually greater than all of those physical senses. And so, yes, they do need to work in tandem, but your spiritual and your inner vision, your mental vision, is 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 going to really give way to your 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 greater potential, you know, because even in sciences, in in, in metaphysics, or excuse me, quantum physics, they teach that energy flows from a higher to a lower potential, just like mm-hmm. with electricity and so forth. And so, you know, the, the 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 spiritual and the mental components are the higher vibrations. And the physical component is really the lower vibration. Even though our ego makes us connect with our physical so much more, that isn't who we are. Who we actually are, you know, that's a, a small portion of who we are. Just like in the physical world, our five senses only pick up hearing, smell, taste, touch, and uh, sight. But in actuality. In this world that we live in, there are all types of energies that we don't pick up with our five senses that we have machines and instruments that pick up, you know, those other things like X-ray, gamma ray, and all of these different types of energy that we interact with on a continual basis. And that just goes to show that when you link, so it's got to be there for you. Passion is, you know, you have to have some energy. Passion is like fuel. Right. And then purpose, that reason beyond all else, that, that that thing that gives you the question to why you do it, that purpose. Those are the developmental parts of it. And so that vision, you know, it, it it's like your GPS. You know, it, it gives you your, your destination, excuse me, your end point. Mm-hmm. Through your vision, you know you're you're telling yourself that you feel like 
you, through the help of your creator and your higher energy, are able to reach this. And so you start looking for that. And then we can go into, you know, all different mental components that start to go into play at that point because this is how we're we're made. You know, your mind starts to, you know, once you give yourself a vision mm-hmm. or a, a set of coordinates, your mind will start looking for things to prove and to direct you on that course. To make so, it happen. Yeah, so when you're declaring your vision, when you're claiming your vision, the more you do it, the more you're going to start seeing things that line up with it. And one of the things I say that kind of supports that is, you know, the first time the, the first time I bought one new car in my life. Mm-hmm. And um it was a it was a what was it? A Toyota Camry. Whatever year it was. But at the time I wasn't really into cars like that. So I hadn't seen that model of car before. Mm-hmm. When I bought that car and drove off the lot with it, it was almost like that was the only car on the road now. Everybody was driving that car. Now the question is, you know, that all of a sudden they just start rolling off the assembly line immediately after I bought my car, or were they always there and I never paid attention to it? See, this is the trick that your mind plays on you. Mm-hmm. Because you can only consciously be aware of so much information, stuff gets filtered and put to the background. So when you give yourself a vision, you give yourself a set of coordinates. And so now stuff that's relative to that is going to come out of the background and now come up to the forefront. And you'll start seeing things that you didn't even pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's one of the important reasons for that vision component is that you have to have that vision. You have to establish it and you have to move on it. Now, if I was to break this down, and I'm always one for trying to break something down in in the simplest format. (laughs) So you guys play along. If I was was to break it down and I say, we're going to call purpose a noun. And we're going to call then a verb. And we're going to highlight Commitment as an adjective for both. What do you guys think about that? And I'm going to start with you, Miss Edwards. I, I love it. <laughs> you know, I I love it. You know, I I kind of I don't know. I, I try to treat my book kind of like art. You know, they say art is to be interpreted by the beholder. So different people get different things out of my book. And mm-hmm. it just, I, I feel so humbled by it because, you know, as much as I want to take the credit for it, it's really not me, you know. But different, you know, you, you'll you see something, and I, I like that interpretation of it because that's something I've never thought of. But, yeah, that works. Yeah, because, you know, I, I read your book, and I like how you actually – Give the definition. You, you know, you know how people don't define themselves, and they try to let other people define them. Mm-hmm. And and you're saying, listen, this is. And once you find your purpose, that's like I can actually say this is personally who I am. So that's a definition of me. 
you know, now is a person the thing. And so now I have something that I can say that this is who I am. Because if this is my purpose, I can't disconnect myself from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, Mr. Atwood? I love it. Absolutely. You know? So this is who I am. So my purpose is me. Mm-hmm. And I am my purpose. So that would make purpose a now. Mm-hmm. But then okay. the vision is it takes lead because I'm I'm actually seeking, I'm finding the answers, and I'm making this happen. So now there's an action that's going on with my vision. It's not I'm not a dreamer with it. It's a vision because it has a leg. Mm-hmm. But then the commitment to the whole process. This is my adjective. This is. This is the thing that's connecting these two things together for me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I when I read your book, I'm looking at it. I can simplify this in this way. And I just wanted to know what you both, you and Dr. Bishop, what you guys thought about that. Because, I mean, I was so excited about this book. You, you got to buy the book. Those who are listening, I'm telling you, this is a really good book. <laughs> It is a good book for what I skimmed. It is. Uh, okay, look, he tried to do cliff notes, Mr. Edward. Yeah, I tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it was very good. And, it, you know, from the little, from the little brief parts that I did see, it kind of blew my mind. And I'm like, this is on a whole nother scale. Right, it's, right. It's, it's on something where I can see that it's very beneficial to my life. And if you read this book, I can guarantee you will find things that was like, okay, this is beneficial to me. We don't have to tune in to own. We can just get the secret of a commitment by Mr. Edward. Exactly. <laughs> you know. And can so. can I just throw something in here too? Um, yes. Uh, I, I I dedicate this book to uh, my grandmother's posthumously. I I just. Last year, I lost my maternal grandmother, and I just buried my paternal grandmother um, about two weeks ago. And so in in the preface or in the beginning of the book, I talk about, you know, their influence on me. Yes, you do. You know, I just want to, because they were so, I don't know, they were very important to me, as were my, my grandfathers and my, you know, other people in my family, but... I dedicate this work to them, mm-hmm. and and I just wanted to put that out there that uh, they they were very important to me. Now we have three minutes left, and will you tell us where the listeners would be able to find your book? Yes, the book again, um, the secret commitment: seven keys to goal achievement and transformation can be found at www. TheSecretCommitment.com Or uh, You could go to Barnes & Noble Or Amazon But preferably from, from TheSecretCommitment.com Is where you can buy it mm-hmm. Okay so they can walk into uh, Barnes & Noble and get it Because you know I, I do like the Starbucks coffee there Um, It depends on which one Every, I haven't I think I've gone into one Barnes and Noble because it's the demand hasn't picked up so much. I, I, the one Barnes and Noble that I went into, they have it on the shelf, but you can purchase it online. At, I should say at Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. and Amazon. Okay. 
Okay, and then I we will definitely uh, link it on painzone.com. So for all the listeners, you'll be able to uh, link to his site from our site, and uh, uh, no copyright infringement. Right, right, Miss Edwards. Right, right, right. All right, okay, well, you know, I put that on there. Put that on there. <laughs> did I, did I, did I get you a physical copy or did I send you the no, you know electronic? What? A, I, I got an electronic copy, but I promised me an autograph, or autograph copy of the book, so I am gonna send you my uh, my mailing address. Okay. So you can send me a copy of the book, so I can definitely, uh, you know, have my own personal copy. But I did walk around with my little. Um, reader, I, I wish you had, <laughs> had mentioned that before. I would have sent the uh, physical copy before, but I'll get it to you definitely. Yeah, so uh, definitely uh, a good book. Thank you so much for being on the show. We Thank would you for like having to, me. Yeah, we would like to invite you back, and hopefully, we can get you down later in the year to come and do a seminar for the kids here. And I'll be in talks with you about that. Um, so I'm looking at maybe August, September, right around the time when the kids get ready to come back to school. But, again, we will be in talks. Thank you so much. Is there any last thing you would like to say? we only got a few seconds. Um, well, I, w- I would just like to thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I let's, you know, at, at any time, you know, you want to have me on the show, I'll definitely come back. And I definitely want to uh, work with the youth. So, however we can make it happen, let's make it happen. We will. I'm totally open. All right. This is T Pain. You have been in the zone with T Pain and crew. And we'd like to thank you for listening in to the show. As always, um, believe, act, and follow your destiny. We will see you next Saturday here in the zone with my crew, Doc Bishop. Kimberly could not be here this evening. It's going down. It's going down. Ladies, it's going down. Yes, it's going down in Juana Robbins, Georgia, the international city. You do not want to miss this conference. Pastor Prophetess Aretha Rivers presents Radical Women's Conference 2012 at New Life Global Outreach Ministries, 233 North Houston Road, Suite 138. The dates for the conference are July the 26th through the 27th, beginning promptly at 7 p.m. The speakers are Reverend Jacqueline Craig and Pastor Apostle Consuela Drummond. The conference will end with July the 28th being a comedy show for the ladies where the Zone Radio Media and Production seeks the minister of comedy. Listen, you do not want to miss this. It's a radical move and radical wave. Again, Radical Women's Conference 2012 presented by none other than Pastor Prophetess Doretha Rivers who knows how to throw a Holy Ghost party. You do not want to miss it. This is your girl T. Payne. I hope to see you there. Be blessed.
I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. day comes and I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I would do is forever forever worship you I can only imagine yeah I can only imagine To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine